Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up and welcome to Believe in High School Basketball, Episode 6. I'm your host, Bryce Ronquillo. So thankful, so grateful. Got a great show for you all today, so thank you for joining me. Believe in High School Basketball is proud to be a part of the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals and the number one network in Los Angeles for sports podcasts. Let's get it. Today I'm blessed to have another very special guest. But before we get to him, I have a full interview with him, and you guys are going to love it. But before that, we have some new rankings from ESPN and a new mask mandate in North Carolina that has high school basketball, boys and girls side, playing games with masks on and doing training sessions and practices with masks. I'll give you guys my thoughts on that in a bit, but before that, this morning, Paul Biancardi from ESPN released a an article on ESPN promoting his new number one player in college basketball, regardless of class. Now, it wasn't restructuring the entire rankings as far as I know. Everything looked pretty much the same to me, but he released a new number one, regardless of class. And to some of your guys' surprise, it's not the generational, in quotes, you can't see me, I'm doing quotes, generational talent that is Amani Bates. Chet Holmgren has been named the number one player in the country. Now, I didn't say in quotations Imani Bates to, to mock Imani. He, he is an amazing talent at this level. It was just a little surprising for me to see him at number two, because Biancardi has been praising Imani Bates, even going as far as saying he, he could be considered as a number one pick in this draft. This past draft that just happened, that if he was in it, he would be in consideration for the top 25, or the for the top number one pick. And that's just how good he is. So it, it's been apparent that he... he ESPN and, and other ranking sites really love Imani. And social media has put him up and propped him up as the the next generational talent and calling him the, the next LeBron James or the best player since LeBron James or the next Kevin Durant. And I don't think... People are really considering the weight of those statements. Don't get me wrong. Imani is very, very, very good. He will play in the NBA. He will be a top draft pick. I think he'll be very, very good at Michigan State. But when you're putting, when, you, when you're telling this kid from freshman year going on, that he's going to be better than Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. Okay, guys, Kevin Durant is one of the best players who has ever played this game. One of the best. At seven foot, he can handle the ball like a guard. 
He can shoot threes. He can get any shot off that he wants at any time. He has proven that he could get to a finals in OKC. Then he went to the Warriors, proved that he could play with other stars. People said that there wasn't enough basketball for that team. There's only one basketball, I mean, and not not enough to go around. And they won championships. And he'll probably be in the finals the next two out of three seasons. Maybe the next three. This is the guy that we're saying Imani Bates is going to be. And as impressive as he is on the floor, that hype machine is not good for anybody. So in a way, maybe it's it's good that B and Cardi pumped the brakes on on Bates and said, Chet, you get the number one spot. Now, probably has a little bit to do with the fact that Chet and Imani faced off on, on national TV and and Chet's team sizzle beat Imani's Ipsy Prep and Chet was very impressive and might be a little bit of a prisoner of the moment situation. But even if that's the case, something like this where these two guys are kind of going at it for for the top spot, they're both going to be great in their own regard. For Imani, I'm definitely saying let's pump the brakes, let's let him be who he's going to be. So that's my thoughts on on that 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 switch up there. But we we also got some some other good players on this list. Obviously, it's a top twenty five list. Jaden Hardy coming in at number three. Definitely a huge fan of that. I have been very vocal on this show on how much I love Jaden Hardy and how I think he is going to be exceptionally good at the next level. Paolo Banchero, number four. Patrick Baldwin Jr., number five. Jabari Smith at number six. That is really cool to see. Jabari Smith was the MVP at Pangos All-American. And man, from those highlights, just watching him, watching some of the film, the dude looks like a Pascal Siakam-esque out there. The way he moves, the way he handles the ball, the way he, he defends. Long, 6'9". Really looking forward to seeing what he could bring at Auburn in, in the coming years. DJ Wagner at number 8. That That is super impressive. Number one player in the class of 2023, which is... I believe that's the freshman class. No, it's the sophomore class, excuse me. So number one player in the sophomore class, DJ Wagner, son of Dewan Wagner. Dewan Wagner was a number six pick at one time. And the reason you guys don't know about him or haven't heard about him is because he his career was cut short. He had some a, a very, very bad disease and health issues, but what would have had a, a Probably a very long, prosperous career had it not been for that. And his son is the number one player in the 2023 class and ranked number eight in Biancardi's latest top players regardless of class. So that's really awesome to see. 
Keep an eye on DJ Wagner. Nate Biddle at 13 from Prolific Prep. I, I'm really excited to see what Nate can do at Oregon next year. He, you know, he, he's up there, and in my opinion, he, him and Chet have a lot of similar. Um, uh, they have very similar games, but I think I think Chet kind of has the advantage as far as ball handling, and as far as just a playmaker. Um, but Nate Biddle at seven foot, long arms, um, is a very excellent player and has a very very good chance of being a good NBA player. Peyton Watson at eighteen, man, and in my opinion, that. I, I, I wish he was higher on this list. Peyton Watson is very good, guys. Oh, but Bryce, you're biased to the West Coast, guys. Peyton Watson is the real deal. Yeah, maybe I am. But Peyton Watson will be at UCLA next year. You, you guys just watch. You guys just watch what happens. I think he's severely underrated as a player. I, I think 18 is, is a little low. But, I mean, for him to be in here in... in any regard, he, he deserves it. But 18, I think he should be a bit higher. So North Carolina on November 23rd, the governor made an executive order, all mask mandate. The entire state. And that has now infiltrated and come into the high school basketball scene. Because players are practicing, playing games, doing training sessions with masks on. You could go um, onto Max Preps. They have an article on this written by Jordan Divins. And you, you see pictures on there of players with masks on and they're playing like just full-on games. And while, while I applaud North Carolina for having a season and doing what they can to to play games, having them wear masks during games. Now, I'm no expert, but from personal experience, when I'm out in the grocery store with my mask on and I'm walking around and I have that thing on, I... I, I get short of breath. Now, I'm not a high school athlete right now, but I'm a former athlete. I'm very active. I work out pretty consistently, and I take care of myself. And I get tired wearing the mask. I get short of breath walking around a grocery store. So to... to Play a full-length game with a a face covering. I can't imagine that being beneficial in for the respiratory health of these players. Again, I'm I'm not a health expert. I am just saying from my point of view, my perspective. You, you see the pictures, it's almost, a, it's a bit laughable to see it. And I, I'm all for keeping others safe and, and public safety, but 
see, see, to me, if we have better testing and players could go get a rapid test, affordably, a rap, like get a rapid test before a game, and then you say, oh, hey, I don't have COVID, then you go and play. To me, that would just make it so much easier. Now, right now, rapid tests are extremely expensive, and I, I think that's the way to go. And those are just my thoughts. I would love to know your guys' thoughts. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me in the DMs on Instagram. You could tell me if I'm absolutely wrong on this or not. I think it's kind of funny to see guys on the court wearing masks and playing. I think it's definitely laughable. And I, I hope there's some change in North Carolina. That Again, though, I love that they're playing. I think that's awesome. We need more states. If that's what it takes for to get California to play high school basketball, then by all means, let's do it. Absolutely. And I think every player in California would play with a mask on in a second because they just miss the game so much. And I think that's the highlight from, you know, from this story is that you got kids who just want to play and they'll do what they can. And so California, I hope you're looking at this. I hope you're watching because kids want to play. I, I had a really awesome opportunity to interview this week someone who had I've been around for for a while I I have seen him play and I've coached him um, from when he was seventh grade through his eighth grade year and really just saw tremendous development a tremendous competitiveness I, I helped coach a seventh grade team that my brother was playing on and my brother, along with a another guard by the name of Daniel Esparza, who's our special guest today, uh, they were on that team, and they were a very successful back backcourt at that that age group. They went from a very relatively unknown team with a bunch of guys locally um, going and playing in some some big tournaments and uh, surprising some people and making a name for themselves. Now, Daniel today is in his senior year at Veritas Prep. They're playing in the grind session. He's committed to Cal Poly Slow. So he'll be playing Division I basketball next year. And he's just a great story as a local kid, Hispanic background, who has a 4.0 GPA and is just doing all the right things to achieve his goals. And I hope you guys are inspired by his story. I hope other players who listen to this are inspired. And so without further ado, Daniel Esparza. All right, Daniel, hey, thank, thanks for joining me, man. How are you doing today? Doing awesome, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Uh, let's get let's get right into it. I, I, I first saw you play your seventh grade year. I was around the those old Veritas teams and and coaching and um, we had a good a, a nice squad back then. We had a pretty good pretty good team. But um, up until that point, your seventh grade year, how, how long had you been playing basketball? So up until that point, I was playing um, basketball. Started around second grade, really. 
nothing nothing really was competitive like not all the traveling anything until really seventh grade started up and that's really when the competitive basketball started kicking in was the middle school years of the Veritas but up until then everything was kind of you know a lot of rec leagues La Mirada La Habra some all net stuff so yeah basically just the little leagues around town was what I got I got started in in second grade so that was sort of your your first really competitive AAU experience no yes in, in seventh grade absolutely that was the first time um the basketball world kind of opened like my eyes and I was like, wow, there's a lot of good people out here. And, um, how, how do you think those early AAU days, uh, with those Veritas teams, um, really helped with your development as a player? So going into the era Veritas AAU, um, Basketball, just playing it, like I said, in the, in the leagues, it, w- it was easy and, and it was just fun and it was like just, you know, kind of casual. And then right when you hit the AAU circuit, I mean, it's intense. The guys are way better and it was a blast. And that helped me in so many ways, like, first of all, just with toughness. Because right when I got to Veritas in seventh grade, that's when I really learned, like, how to be a tough, like a tough, have a tough mindset, go at guys and be a great teammate as well and those years were very beneficial in teaching me so many things just floor spacing how to take charges all the little things in basketball yeah and we we had so, yeah. some we had some good teams like we we would go to the the bigger tournaments and um we we'd play you know the you know the earl watson elites of the of the time and we'd give them good games and um you know there i think we came up short most more times than not but we we definitely went out and and competed and and yeah I saw that from you at a very early age you were you were very competitive um, you were very locked in mentally and you really really wanted to win another thing that um, you develop super early that not many people at that age are doing is you, you were shooting from NBA range when you were 12 13 years old what what made you at that age you know, want not only want to shoot those shots, but get to the point where you can consistently make those shots. Yeah, so in seventh and eighth grade, I was I was pretty small. So I had to learn quickly that I was gonna get blocked a lot of the times unless I shot a floater. But going into lane against the kids in eighth grade we were playing, they were like already six four, six five. So I had to learn ways to get shots off. And I would just go to the gym every day with my dad. I was like, let's just shoot a bunch of threes and just work on the, the types of shots I can get in games that will uh, be able to get through these bigger guys. So I just started practicing and really just threes, threes, threes. And I started feeling more confident in the games. And the coach, you guys had so much confidence in me. And that's really when the long, the deeper threes really started to kick in. I was like, man, I can hit these shots. So it was really just confidence and working a lot on that part of my game. And I think one of the more impressive things about your game, actually, you know, seeing you develop through the years, you've changed your shot like more than a couple times. Like you went from a set shot, not really getting much lift to now you're really getting a lot of lift off with your legs. You know, even from deep, you're using your legs a lot. Not too many people will go as far to do that, to, to really Mm -hmm. drastically change their shots. So, 
what made you want to change your shot in in those ways as you've developed and also uh, like how do you still consistently make at a high percentage when changing your shot like that so my freshman year i think was the last year when i was shooting set shots and i had a lower release it was pretty low actually and i um and i was and i was making shots but i was watching college basketball me and my dad were watching and i told him i want to play at the highest level possible and i was watching all the guys and all these guys were coming off screens and and when they're shooting deep threes they were elevating and their release was like at their eye level and i was like that's where i need to be that's the level i need to get to those guys weren't getting their shots blocked and i wasn't getting my shot blocked a lot from three like it was pretty rare but still just having a higher release um, would also lead to more efficiency in my opinion and just getting more lift because later in games you know i'd be short but when you get lift on your jump shot you know more shots start to fall and and um with the change of a shot you got to get in the gym like because if you change something you got to really practice it to stay at that level of making jumpers consistently so that's basically how that how that really started that's really cool that you had that self-awareness and you were in a sense just like looking forward or looking into the future and seeing like yo if I'm going to play at the highest level I have to evolve as a player and and look at those parts of my game where I could get better so I I commend you for that that's really awesome to have that that self-awareness and and really going into into the lab and then getting better now you got held back. I believe you had two eighth grade years. I was held back too. And I thought that was beneficial to me to to mature. But, you know, holdbacks nowadays, they still kind of get a bad rap. And, and I think it's because most parents abuse the system and hold and, and hold back their players from being better, you know, like them playing down. But what I want to know your opinion how did that extra eighth grade year, did it, did it help you? Do you think that you, it would have been the same had you just gone to uh, Sonora uh, a little bit younger? Or I want to know your thoughts on that. So in my opinion, well, first off, getting held back was me and my parents. Like We both talked about it. It wasn't a forced decision. We both were like, I think this is going to be very beneficial for my life, not just basketball, but off the court as well. And that's what I was really big on. And I believe that getting held back that year really helped me for my entire future. Just becoming more mature, learning more things. Not even just basketball, like I said, but just about the world. like, mm. And being a better person, just being more mature. And that led to, I think, more on-court success. And it wasn't, I wasn't getting held back. Like, I wasn't really old either. So I did it, and I was still with my proper age group too. So that was really beneficial as well. And I believe that it's a good thing to do if it's the right situation. But, yes, a lot of kids do get a bad rap these days because, you know, there'll be kids that'll get held back twice or even three times. And I can see how, yeah, that's abusing the system. But it's all in the kid's decision. And if it's going to be very beneficial to them in their life, I mean, I think it's a great thing. Yeah, and I, I like how you said it wasn't, you know, basketball was just a small part of it. It was really just, you know, mental developing, you know, maybe you getting a, a, a little better at school. Um, I know some kids need to, you know, fo- focus more on the books. And 
I, I know that's probably wasn't the case for you. You're a 4.0 student, but I know for, for other kids that, that could be a good decision if they need to get their grades right. And so, yeah, I, I think that's good advice to future generations. Basketball should not be the only reason you get held back if you're going to do it. It should be a very small part, and you got to look at everything, life in general, when you're doing that. So I, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you get to Sonora. Uh, you make varsity as a freshman, and that's a pretty big achievement. I know Coach Murphy d- historically doesn't really bring up freshmen to varsity. Um, so h- how was that first year, getting into high school? So the first year going in and playing freshman on varsity um well first off it was a it was a one of our it was the roughest year like record wise for us we we struggled in the beginning a lot we at towards the end of the season we were starting to play really good but we were really young and um in the beginning we had a little losing streak and you know we kind of overall just it wasn't the best season um but i thought that I played pretty well that year and a lot of our guys played pretty well, but just things weren't clicking. It was just one of those years where shots wouldn't fall and they needed to. And, um, but it was a really good learning experience. So like learning how to play with the older guys and learning the system early. Cause I think that was a very big part and like leading to success later as a junior and sophomore. Cause when you already know the system and you come back for that second year in that system, you're way more confident. You already know how to attack older guys. So I think that was very big for me. Even though we struggled, I still think that I got a lot out of that season. And there's always good and the bad. There's always ways to um, find good things in, you know, a tough season. But I think it really helped me a lot. Yeah, and, and you're you're absolutely right. As you got you guys got better every single year that you were that you were there for those three years. And so your sophomore oh, yeah. year, um, everyone's older. Uh, you guys got a, a decent freshman class you know you guys are developing and your sophomore season you you break a 19 year scoring record and you drop 45 points on Troy tell me about that was it just you were in the zone couldn't miss yeah so going into the game I remember I was just like I just felt good like the energy was up the vibe in the gym was just I just something felt so right that night and we went into the game and it was a big game for us. It was a big game. We needed to win that game to, you know, stay in the hunt for a league title. Sadly, we came up uh, short that year, but it was a really big game and we needed to win that one. And Troy was pretty solid. They had some, uh, some big guys some good guards. And I made my first two, sh- my first two threes. And I was like, tonight's going to be a good night. And I just, I just felt it. And it was, um, when you're hot, you're hot, and you just want to keep shooting. And the best thing about it, though, is my teammates, they were finding me in the right places, and uh, everyone was just so happy. And it wasn't I wasn't even happy just about the record. I was just so happy about how we won that game. Like, it was such a team win, even with the, the scoring and all. But, like, my guys were really finding me, and we were playing great defense. So it was a special night overall. That's awesome. And you, you had a pretty good sophomore year. You know, you're playing in the starting lineup. You guys got a little bit better got into the playoffs um, and you guys are just kind of on the upswing and you go and you play AAU and that sophomore season, you come back to Veritas. So you played, you played with the seventh, eighth grade. And then uh, I believe you played with uh, sky blue select for a little bit. 
you know, shout out to Charlie Torres or Sky Blue. I know they do a great job. And um, you, your decision to come back to Veritas, why, why come back? So that, that AAU season was going to be a really big season for me. And, you know, me and my mom and my dad were talking and like looking for travel teams. And then Veritas popped up again because um, they said that they wanted to make an elite 16U squad. Um, and I was all on board because I love the coaching staff, Coach Brian and, and uh, Randy were going to be the coaches. And I love those guys. And they said they were going to make a good squad. And then we started picking up good players. Like Marquis was on that team from Sonora. And we got guys like Petrie and a bunch of other good guys. And then once that clicked, um, that team was really good. We were winning a lot of games. And uh, the main reason I wanted to go back to Veritas is just to win games with, you know, like my family where it all started and um, get college looks and just play with play with some really good guys and a really good squad. Right. And you, you guys did play some great comp- competition, really started making noise. Even on the national level, you guys went out to Vegas, did a great job and you guys were winning and you were playing well. You were playing well enough to get a D1 offer. Tell me, what was that feeling like? Yeah, that that was uh, I was pretty emotional when I uh, when I got that first offer. Um, you know, me and my dad were like told like me and my dad have always talked about playing D one basketball from day one. We would watch the TV and we'd be like, "You can do that, Daniel, if you really want to put your mind and heart and soul into it." And uh, when I got offered, it was just really really heartwarming because. Me and my dad, we work so hard together, and I love my pops so much. He's always pushing me and to be better, and we always go to the gym. And it was just um, – I just felt like – it just felt nice, you know, like, wow, hard work really does pay off. And uh, it was it was an emotional moment. Yeah, and, you know, shout out to your dad, Henry, for, for a second. You know, going back to the seventh, eighth grade um, years for you, man, Coach Henry was our – you know, was our tough, toughness guy, our toughness coach, you know, he'd get out on the floor and he'd rough you guys up and he'd be throwing guys onto the floor with his, his, uh, his bag. He had his little, uh, like the, the, um, the punch, no, it's not a punching bag, but you know, it's that thing that you use to go against big guys. He'd be out there with that and, um, really just made us super tough, like you were talking about earlier. And so got a lot of love for your dad and I could see, you know, how he put all in that time into you and you loved it, and then it paid off. You get an offer from Cal Poly Slow. And, you know, being a Latino kid, being Mexican even, not many of us, I'm, I'm half Mexican myself, we, we don't get to Division One. We don't get those opportunities in basketball all the time. And obviously you got, you know, Oscar Lopez, he's over at, uh, at DePaul. You got Jaime Jaquez at UCLA. And other than that, really not much going on in itself. And I'm kind of seeing a new wave of guys, of Latino kids. You know, there's you. Um, there's other guys at Veritas. George Ochoa at, at PHS Prep. There, There's more Latinos, more Mexicans even, getting those looks at the D1 level. Now, what is that? What is that? Does that mean anything to you? Do you think about that? And um, do you take pride in it? Oh yeah, I mean, I think about that a lot, and I um I do take a lot of pride in that. Um, I think it's awesome, you know. Um, 
I just think it's great because then other kids can be like, oh, if he, he did that, I can do it too, you know? So um, I just think I, re- I really love that. And I, I do take a lot of pride in it. And if you work hard, you could do anything. If you really put your mind to something and really want it more than anyone, that was big for me, just wanting it more than the person ahead of me. So, yeah, man, I take a lot of pride in that. So uh, Cal Poly was your was your, your first D1 offer, and you decided to go with them. That's where you'll be attending uh, next fall. What, why, why Cal Poly, and what made it feel like the right decision? Mm-hmm. So when I got up to Cal Poly, first off, it's the campus is just beautiful. Oh, it's amazing! It's crazy, yeah, crazy it's beautiful up there. Yeah, great area. Um, I love the coaches there. Just it's an amazing culture. The fan, it's just a, so family based, and the players are amazing. Um, and it just felt like the perfect fit, and it just felt like it almost felt like just like a home, like home up there. It was it was mellow. It's like beautiful the, yeah everything's great the education is also exceptional so that's what really made me want to go to cal poly so it just felt like the perfect fit like hand on the glove it just i was like that's where i want to be for the next four years of my life it's really awesome and now now aau season's done you've committed you you got all that now back to back to the high school grind you guys got a great team of returners coming to Sonora in your junior year. That group that, you know, you guys have kind of been together for a couple years now. And you guys go out and you're very successful. You guys win a ton of games. And what what do you think contributed the most to that winning culture, that, that junior season you had? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, that team was a squad. We had a really good starting five and a really good bench. You know, that team was like Tobin, Garrett, Ian, Marquis. We had good guys coming off the bench. And uh, I really think the, the greatest thing about that team was that like we were all really close, good friends, you know. And when you have great chemistry off the court, that leads to a lot of success on the court. So that's one big thing that I really think led to uh, us getting a lot of wins that year and being successful. And um, we beat some pretty good teams that year. And um, – mostly just the chemistry off the court I think really helped us a lot yeah you guys even had a a a pretty a pretty good matchup you guys played in Mayfair Josh Christopher Dior was on that team Um, I know you guys Mm -hmm. came up short that game but man it looked like the gym was popping and it was just a crazy environment to play in tell me about that game yeah that game was uh it was pretty cool you know one of the games that you're probably not gonna forget uh, when you're older and um, it was just a crazy environment. We got the whole student section there for a tournament game. That was the crazy part about yeah, it. Yeah, that, that doesn't happen and super that, often. That happened a lot. Yeah, and uh, not a lot of people go out to the December game. So it was pretty crazy to see the environment in the gym. Both sides were packed. You know, kids from other schools were showing up, and it was just a great atmosphere. It was a battle the whole way. You know, um, we guarded Josh as best as we could. He's an incredible player. And – uh we felt we gave him our uh, our best battle, and we came up a little short, but um, we were proud of ourselves. You know, we obviously wanted to win that game, but just the exposure and getting to play against those guys like that really made you a better basketball player overall. And I think that made our team better too, because we uh, won a lot of games after that as well. 
yeah, it's like a matchup like that would really just set you guys up for that long-term success in, in that year. Mm-hmm. And um, so you guys, you know, win 25 plus games or, or you won 24 games or something like that. And, um, you know, you guys come up a bit short in the playoffs, obviously disappointing. Now you're, I'm, I'm sure you are preparing or, and you can correct me if you're wrong. You were probably preparing very much to come back your senior year at Sonora and be with that team. And then COVID hits and that, that kind of changes your priorities. Am I correct in saying that? So, well, initially after junior season, we were going to go play at Veritas again, going into my senior year. So like in the, just the regular AU, we're, we're going to play in the gauntlet. So um, that was on my plans as well. And that was going to be just a really fun summer for me, you know, getting more exposure, playing against some really good guys to prepare, but COVID hit. Like, and then COVID, if I, I think COVID shut down the, like the CIF finals, correct? Yeah, it, it was the CIF finals had, had been played. The state finals were about to be played that week. And like two days before Rudy Gobert tests positive and the whole world shuts down. So, yep. Yep. Yeah. So during that time I was like right after season, me and uh, Marquis were getting ready to go back to Veritas. And then, uh, yeah, like I, like you just said, the whole world just shut down with the COVID situation. And um, we just had to, you know, stay in shape on our own, get a lot of shots up somehow, worked out. And um, But, yeah, we were definitely ready to come back to Sonora until for a big senior year for me and, and for our team. Which is which was mostly primarily seniors this year too, so that's a big bummer for us. Um, but yeah, we were ready to come back and uh, win some games and uh, go far, but uh, sadly, yeah, the COVID situation hit. Right, so COVID hits, no AAU season. You guys are stuck, you know, like you said, doing backyard workouts and dribbling inside, whatever you could do. Um, yep, but this opportunity pops up with Veritas, obviously Sonora being a public school in California. They're not going to be playing high school basketball until March. Veritas, not under the same restrictions. They're, they're playing in the grind session. What I'm assuming it was pretty easy decision to, to go in and, and play with them and play on the grind session. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, because, even now the season is still for high school kind of like up in the air. No one knows what's going to happen. So I was like, there's no way I'm not playing a senior season. So I'm like, if an opportunity pops up, I'm taking that. So I got asked to join the Veritas squad for the grind session. And I was like, yes, I want to do that immediately because um, the grind session is literally just college guys. It's not even in my opinion, like high school basketball, it's, it's college level right. basketball already. <laughs> You could very much go play like JUCO squads, and it would be interesting games with the competition yeah, the, in the grind session. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I couldn't pass on that opportunity at all. I didn't want like it was a split decision. I was all in from the beginning. Right, and so you're you're with Veritas, not just the AAU, but you're with their prep squad. Um, you guys are seven and four in the grind session, and. You're playing against five and four star guys every game. This is not the freeway league. What, yeah. what, what do you, what is that experience like? Just playing against that kind of competition, you know, three times a week. 
as a competitor, it's awesome. It's awesome going against the really good guys, the really highly ranked guys in the ESPN, you know, seeing what you can work on, you know, how you do against them, what you need to fix to, you know, adjust to uh, staying up with them or going by them or, you know, playing defense against them. It's a, it's an eye opener, but um, it's something that is, has really helped me already. Like from the first grind session bubble we went to to the second one, I feel like I improved like so much. And when you're playing against really good guys, like personally, it makes me want to improve right away, but almost naturally, like you're like, okay, I need to improve now. Like, you know, for anyone that it goes against someone really good. And uh, yeah, like you said, it's not the, it's not the freeway league. You know, there's D1 guys like the starting five, like on everything we played has multiple D1 guys. So it's a great experience and uh, it's tough, but it's definitely worth it. And I think the the success that you guys have been having seven and four in the grind session is something to be very proud about. I'm sure you guys, you know, obviously you're you're striving to do better. And but you guys came in not having the most attractive roster on paper. You you guys mm-hmm. had a lot of underrated players, even even Malik, who, you know, was already committed to USC. There was a lot of yeah. doubters about Malik. A lot of people didn't didn't believe that that was uh, him going to SC. You know that he deserved it. Even there was a lot of doubters, and so to see you guys be successful, Malik's killing it. You're you're doing uh-huh. your thing. You guys have an awesome backcourt going right now. Do do you guys just go into these games like with that chip on your shoulder to to work hard and prove a name for your guys? Yeah, absolutely. And shout out to Malik, man. That dude is the most, one of the most underrated players in the entire country. Even like his ranking, you know, he's 90 on ESPN, I believe, right now. But yeah, that's the crazy. guys that we play in the grind session that are ahead <laughs> of him, he's killed those guys, man. You know, he's just so underrated. And he's going to prove all them wrong. You know, one of the hardest workers, and he's a great player. But like you said, yeah, we definitely go in with a chip on our shoulder, you know, because uh, we got to. There's a lot of really good guys, and if we don't, going with that chip you know we're not going to succeed at the level we want to so we go in we play really hard and uh we put up our best numbers we can and uh we got a really good squad too a lot of good supporting people and our bench is great and great coaching staff so it's been a good ride so far and uh, we're not looking to stop we're looking to compete all the way till the finals in the grind session now playing for coach george isn't for everybody I know this firsthand. You know this firsthand. It it could be a lot. Um, and to those who who know Coach George Zidane, shout out to Coach George. Um, lo- Coach. Love him to death. But man, did that guy ride me f- as for ten years of my life, and uh-huh. <laughs> and and make make basketball miserable for me for a long time. But man, did it get me better as a player? Did it make me a better man? Absolutely. What what are uh-huh. your thoughts on on playing for him, and have you have you enjoyed it? And you know, just just give me your thoughts on it. Yeah, like you said, um, play, not everyone can play for Coach George because you know Coach George is one of the toughest coaches around. Overall, he's a he pushes you to be great. He challenges you especially. If he knows that if you get to that next level and play at the next level, they're not going to hold your hand in college. They're not going to babysit you. So 
So he knows he, his job is to get you there and to prepare you so you can have an immediate impact and not have to go through the mistakes in college that you would make here if your coach was softer. You know what I'm saying? So George is, has helped me so many ways. Um, he's taught me so many things. One of the greatest coaches I've played for. Um, he's done so much for me and my family. I really appreciate Coach George a lot and the whole Veritas staff as well. Um, but yeah, like I said, man, he can be really hard sometimes, but it's all for the better. Yeah, absolutely. uh, Yeah, totally. And he's won basically everywhere he's gone. So you can't speak against his his track record at all because everywhere he goes, he wins. Yep. Now you guys at the grind session, you know, they're calling it the bubble. Now, how much of a bubble is it really? Is it just you guys are going to the gym, back to the hotel, then you're staying there kind of deal? Yeah, so it's a bubble in the sense of, like, um, all the guys are pretty much together in the hotel. And uh, there's restrictions, like, on certain, like, times you can go out with your team. And uh, you're all in the gym together. All the temperatures getting checked, making sure no one's sick. And so far, it's been pretty good, I, I guess. Um, I don't think there's been cases that have come out of the bubble. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. It's a really good experience, you know. Yeah, so it, it is a bubble in the sense of, like, all the guys that are together. It's, not, it's obviously not as, like, restricted as, like, the NBA bubble. Right. But it's, uh, <laughs> it's yeah, but it was, it was a great idea. And the facility in Arizona does a great job out there with the hosting it all, and uh, it's been pretty fun. Yeah, it's been so cool to kind of watch from afar how they're still managing to put competitive basketball out on the floor, you know, while while the rest of the country is just kind of shut down. So it's been really cool to mm-hmm. see from afar. And it has there been challenges, you know, you guys are on the road, you're you're not at home, you know, for for weeks on end. Uh, is any of that, you know, challenging for you or or even your team? Yeah, absolutely. You know, all of our guys are kind of family guys, so um, we we uh, it's hard to be out of town like for weeks, and then you go home, and then you come back, because then and then we leave in two weeks again. But um, but we but if you love something so much like the game of basketball, and you want to get, you know, looks and and experience and just uh, the exposure to this level of competition, it's all worth it. And it's hard a little bit, but uh, for the most part, you know, we keep each other, uh, keep each other uh, comfort with family. And yeah, man, we just uh, enjoy it as long as we can because not everyone gets to play right now. So that's the big thing. Since we just got to stay blessed that we're able to be playing right now while the whole country basically is still shut down. Now, when you look back at your high school playing career, you get your player with a, a lot of accolades and, and a lot of success. Um, what what are a couple things you think you'll look back at as some of your best memories of playing high school basketball? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, my freshman year was pretty cool in the in the way because I got I won first team all league my freshman year, so that was something I'll never forget. Like. That was a pretty cool accomplishment to do. And then from then on, it just built up in the, 
every year. Um, sophomore year, definitely the 45-point game was really cool. Um, that's something I'll never forget. But most of all, just the practices, going at your teammates, those are some of the best times in basketball, like in high school, just being around the, your team and, you know, just going to lunch and hanging out with your, all the guys is some of the best memories you'll have too because building friendships, like obviously the game is, is incredible and everyone wants to do their best and always win all the time. That's awesome. But you got to be a great person off the court. And the friendships that I've built through the game of basketball are just incredible. And I'm just truly blessed. And those are some of the things that will last forever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. And now you got to take the good with the bad. So what what is something, you could just name one thing, that you'll look at back at, you know, in your high school playing career and just be like, ah, man, I, I wish that happened a little differently or I wish I could have beat that team when we didn't. Um, is there mm -hmm. anything like that? Yeah, probably um, our the CIF game last year when we lost to Linwood. We lost them in overtime. That was a really tough one. And we, we totally had that. We could have beat them. And, you know, just things weren't going our way. We were getting out-rebounded and certain foul calls against us. We're just like, oh, can't, it's got to go both ways. But that's one thing that I'll definitely, you know, be like, ah, oh, man, we could have really done some damage if we would have beat them last year. Yeah, like if you guys would have got past Linwood, I think you guys, you know, very possibly could have gone all the way. Like they were yeah. the team in the way. I think Winward was was also a team there. So that, that would have been kind of tough to get past Winward. Um, but, yeah, you're, you, that year – or that that bracket leading up you guys were definitely as a team I was like oh watch out for them they can make some noise but you know like you said sometimes things just don't go our way we don't get the calls we want we don't get a couple rebounds but but um mm -hmm. you know you, you're, you're a very you're a very hard worker I've seen that firsthand um take take my listeners through what what does a training session with you typically look like you know and and then any day how are how are you going through your workouts? What's your routine? Yeah, so when me and my dad get in the gym, which is us two, um, we do a lot of first time we started with just like warm up, dribbling, stationary stuff. Then uh, we do two ball, and that's more just for reps. You know, get a good feel for the ball so you can handle it well under pressure. Um, and then we start doing dribble stuff off the move, just full court, just dribbling. Then um, a lot of shots, threes, you know, you go 10 threes in the corner, 10 threes in the wing, 10 at the top, the other wing, other corners, and you go back. And we do that about like five times. So that's a ton of shots. Then we do the the same thing in that aspect in the 10, the corner, 10, the wing. Then we go off the dribble. So a lot of shots off the dribble, a lot of catch and shoot. And me and my dad like to do a lot of pick and roll stuff to practice my pace. And um, a lot of conditioning at the end, you know, running or or weightlifting, just a bunch of stuff like that. And also just all the other trainers out there, like when I get in with uh, Randy and Brian and Eli, it's a lot of shots and it's a lot of working on pace, um, change of speed, because that's big. That's you know, something I've been really trying to work on. And same thing in the pick and roll, because a lot of college basketball now is pick and roll stuff. So those are the main things I really focus in on when I'm uh, in the gym. What, what do you look forward to as – as a player, you're, you're about to graduate high school and you're about to go, you know, play college at, at a very high level. What are some future goals you have? How far does basketball take you? 
Yeah, so when I get to college, my goal when I get there my freshman year is just to help the team win games. You know, you know whatever I got to do, you know, I want to find my way uh, to just help my team win as many games as possible, being the best teammate I can be, make winning plays, winning shots, winning passes. Um, my goal is obviously to win conference title when I'm there, you know, um, be the best teammate I can. And then my goal from even before I wanted to go play college was to play pro basketball. So overseas basketball would be awesome. You know, that's something I really wanted to do my whole life, go play like, you know, Europe, Australia, somewhere. I think that would be a really cool opportunity. But yeah, man, those are the main, the main goals of mine. Any, uh, I mean, this is a realistic goal. Any uh, Mexican national team aspirations? Yeah, man, that would that would be awesome too. I was just saying, right, like places, but yeah, obviously that would be awesome. Um, any pro opportunity, the best opportunity that comes my way, you know, obviously through hard work and effort, you can't just hopefully it happens. You got to put your time and dedication into it. But yeah, that would be awesome. Awesome, man. It, it was great talking with you and having you on. Um, let my listeners know if they want to follow your journey, uh, where, where they could find you on social. Yeah, so on Instagram, you can follow me at uh, Daniel.Esparza underscore. And on Twitter is uh, DanielEsparza underscore. Awesome, Daniel. Once again, thank you for coming on. And uh, for any of my listeners... You guys, go go follow this guy. He's going to go make some noise in the Big West uh, after this year. And right now, he's killing it in the grind session for the Veritas Titans. So, once again, Daniel Esparza, thank you for coming on, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. That was fun. Thank you for tuning in to Episode 6 of Believe in High School Basketball. If you like the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to be notified every Thursday when an episode drops. Leave a review as well. I love feedback and I want to know what you guys think of the show. You can also get updates on what's next for my show by following me on social. That's at Bryce Broadcast on Twitter and Instagram. Please go follow Daniel as well on Twitter at Daniel Esparza underscore and at Daniel dot Esparza underscore on Instagram. Thank you guys for tuning in. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.